Hey, I'm Dustin. And I'm Steve. Welcome back, listeners, to the finest phototainment in the world. That's right, you're listening to another episode of the Wedding Photo Hangover podcast, an irreverent look at wedding photography. This podcast, like aspirin, will help you recover from your wedding hangover. Dustin, today's a very special episode. We are joined by Heidi Thompson of EvolveYourWeddingBusiness.com and the Wedding Business Collective. She's the author of the book, Clone Your Best Clients, available in paperback and digital from Amazon. Heidi's been featured in the Huffington Post on Sprouting Photographer and on Photo Biz Expose. She's also been on Wedding Wire World on Six Figure Photographer, and she's also an advisory board member from the UK Academy of Wedding and Event Planning. But perhaps the most important thing, Dustin, she's been a guest on this very podcast before. Last time she was on, we got so much positive feedback from listeners that we decided to bring her back. This time with Heidi, we're going to be talking about marketing plans. Let's throw it over to our conversation with Heidi. I believe most of the positive feedback we got was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I actually learned something while listening to your podcast this week, which was good for us. It was good. We, we like it when our listeners have the opportunity to learn and grow, which we don't provide very often. So Heidi, thank you so much for bringing that. And how are you doing today? <laughs> I'm good. And I'm glad I can bring that. I mean, I'm sure you guys are tons of fun as is every week for your <laughs> listeners. But... This is a this is a pretty serious podcast, Heidi. This is it's not a place for fun and games. Oh, I'm sorry. It's okay. Okay. <laughs> we did get a lot of questions last time about what Napster was, so I was. Oh, uh, that's my favorite thing, and it makes me feel old. What yeah. is Napster, and what is dial-up internet? Yeah, we're actually <laughs> as an homage to you. We were recording this podcast on dial-up internet. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> And we're actually going to release it on whatever form Napster is taken now. It's not yeah. going to go up in our typical podcast feed. <laughs> yeah. So you can download this in three to five days. Yeah. If the person doesn't go offline yeah. while you're downloading it. Exactly. Oh, the good old days of legally, illegally downloading things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Legally? Are, are we going to say that? For uh, legal purposes, I have to. <laughs> Thank you, Dustin. So Heidi, we wanted to have you on today to talk a little bit about marketing plans. You've been doing a lot of stuff with Evolve Your Wedding Business, um, creating a community for people to help them out, figuring out their marketing plans. And you actually just developed something recently, right? Where you let people take a much deeper dive into this than what we'll probably have time to get into here today, right? Yeah. So I did create a course of Mm -hmm. much deeper dive than we can get into like a very step-by-step course about how to create your marketing plan in the way that we're going to talk about today. And that is inside my membership, which is called the Wedding Business Collective. But that really came out of seeing that nothing was going to help wedding professionals if they didn't have a structure. Because what a lot of people do is focus on marketing tactics and, you know, you get really excited about Instagram stories and I'm just going to post all this stuff on Instagram stories and you fall off and you're inconsistent and you forget and there's no real strategy behind it. So it doesn't wind up 
working for you. And I wanted to address that. Heidi, have you been following me on Instagram? It feels like you're directly attacking me right now. <laughs> Nothing personal. <laughs> Everything should be personal. Let's both attack Steve. That sounds like a great <laughs> So the crux of a marketing plan is not as complicated as a lot of people think. And I'm sure when mm -hmm. a lot of people hear the term marketing plan, it sounds big and complicated and part of a business plan and this thing that you create and put in a drawer and it never sees the light of day again. I go into full on panic mode. I get heart palpitations. I get very anxious. I'm like, why mm -hmm. can't I just live my life and do things? Yeah. But the goal of a marketing plan should be to make your life easier mm -hmm. and to make it so you aren't spending all your time in your business and you actually have time to, I don't know, have a life. Why would you want that? Isn't your business your life? <laughs> so I've distilled this down into five parts. You really don't need anything more than that for the types of businesses that we're running because you can totally go into the rabbit hole of, you know, 27 part marketing plans that are more designed for corporations. But all you need are five parts. Are you saying my major goal shouldn't be, be to become a very large corporation? I mean, go for it, but then hire somebody <laughs> to create your marketing plan. <laughs> Steve Inc. I mean, that's a name that would sell. Yeah. yeah. I think it could be like a, a thing where maybe I provide jobs. So it'd be like Steve Jobs Inc. Mm, I think catchy. Yeah. Yeah. I had some interesting SEO hurdles to jump over on that one. <laughs> So Heidi, you said you have five steps? Yeah. So there are five parts. You only need to focus on these five things. And I'll lay them all out for you and then we can go into each. So the first is your goal. The second is your research. And this encompasses both your research about who it is that you're targeting and your market at large. Three is your messaging. Four is where everybody goes first, but it does not come until you get to number four. And that is the how, you know, how are you actually implementing this? Where are you posting? How often are you posting? And five is measuring. And that's just where you see, okay, what's working, what's not working. So I can tweak this and make it better as we go. Mm -hmm. So for setting your goal, I really like to ask people what success looks like for them because that's different for everybody. You know, some people want to grow Steve Jobs, Inc. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very good brand. It's catchy. It is. And, you know, some people want to stay small. Some people want to have associate photographers that they work with as well. So they're mm -hmm. only working a set number. So I really like to encourage people not to just set a goal of like more, 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 but what does that actually look like? So it could be that you want to book more weddings this year. Maybe you want to book 10 more weddings than you did last year. Or it could be that you personally don't want to do anymore. So you want to book 10 weddings for an associate photographer or make sales on a different kind of add-on product that doesn't require you to actually go do additional shooting. Now we're talking, Heidi. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I like so, this. Yeah. It, it, you really have to think about the fact that like, this is your life. <laughs> this is your business. You can do it however you want. So that's really easy to let slip. You know, you just think, oh, I just got to, you know, keep hustling, keep doing more. And I really don't like the word hustling because I don't think that's necessary. But I like people to think about what success looks like for them and then set an annual goal 
and then a goal for the next 90 days based on that annual goal. The reason why, because it's really, really hard to make plans on something that's happening a year from now. Like you don't know what you have to do next Wednesday for your goal for the end of 2019. Mm -hmm. But I I know what my goal is, is to have Heidi Thompson on the podcast. Well, you (laughs) nailed it twice. (laughs) 2019 just started looking better. So if you can do a 90 day goal, which is kind of like a sub goal of your annual goal, Mm -hmm. you can break that down. You know, you know what you have to do on a monthly basis, on a weekly basis, on a daily basis, which makes this so much easier to take action on. Interesting. But can we rewind for a second? You don't like the word hustling? Mm -mm. Why not? Because it implies working for the sake of working. Ah. And you don't have to necessarily work more to get better results. I just associate hustling with working fast. Oh, okay. That's interesting. I guess everybody probably has a different connotation with that. Because see, when I think of hustling, I just think of the, you know, the little jingle, every day I'm hustling, hustling. (laughs) Yeah, I like that one. That's that's all I got in my mind. I think of it as maybe, you know, cheating your clients a little bit, let's be honest. (laughs) So maybe some negative connotations. Okay, I'm starting to get it now. I think at least in my interpretation of the word hustling is that, you know, you need to be working 12 hour days every single day if you want to succeed. And that's bullshit. That sounds like you'd be on some like Gary Vee shit right there. Yeah. I, uh-uh. <laughs> I don't know how like him or uh, Casey Neistat do it. They seem to be like just full of energy all the time. And I don't understand it. Yeah. And like, hey, cool. Gary, you do you if that's what works for you and that's what makes you happy. But that sounds like absolute hell to me. (laughs) Absolutely. So you're encouraging people to make like a 90 day plan so they can kind of not have to worry about the whole year as a whole. So Mm -hmm. do you break that down then into like make a 90 day plan, then make a 180 day plan and like kind of plan it out in like 90 day increments? So I wouldn't even plan in depth, at least Mm -hmm. beyond 90 days. As you get to the end of the first 90 days, then you want to sit down and plan the next 90 days. But there are too many dependencies. So if what you want to do six months from now depends on whether or not you got something done, you know, say in February, Mm -hmm. what if that shifted? What if something came up? What if that moved? Then you have to go back and readjust this whole other plan. So I think the easiest way to do it is to plan 90 days at a time. I like that. I like that. What about planning one day at a time? You just wake up every morning and then you don't have to worry about the other 89 days in that 90 days. See, that's where you get in trouble. That's where I sleep. Till two. <laughs> that's that's what I usually end up doing. Yeah. I like to just take every day as it comes. Wake up not having any idea what that day looks like. That's why I have Steve writing notes for me. Sending them to me. <laughs> that's why you woke up this morning. You're like, why is there a calendar meeting with Heidi Thompson today? <laughs> And then, and then I just have a person who shows up at my house with a microphone and just and a camera, and we just I get on and we go. <laughs> How pampered! And then I'm friend requesting Heidi Thompson thirty minutes before the interview, just, <laughs> and she's declining rapidly. Like, who is this guy? I would be declining you too, Dustin. I'm sorry, bud. Swipe left, Steve. Swipe left. <laughs> So once you've defined a goal for the next 90 days, uh, the next step is to do some research. What does that look like? I'm so happy you asked. I'm very excited about this part. (laughs) Yeah. We talked about part of this on the last episode that we did together. Mm -hmm. And a really big part of this is your ideal client. Mm -hmm. So who you're targeting is going to 
100% influence not just how you're marketing to them, but where you're marketing, what makes sense to spend your time on. So I would suggest people go back to listen to that so they can get a deeper dive into that. But my whole thing with ideal clients is that you should look to your very best clients that you wish you could clone and work with over and over and over again, and then interview them to find out what makes them tick? What made them make the decision to work with you as opposed to someone else? What is it that they really value? Who are they as a person so that you can better market to this kind of person? How do you incentivize your ideal client to actually go through this interview process with you, though? Good question. So there are really two ways to do it. One is just using completely authentic flattery and just telling them like, hey, you guys are amazing. You're my absolute favorite couple I've worked with. If I could work with you every week, I would be so, so happy. So could you take you know 20 minutes to talk to me on a call? So I can find more of the you guys in the world and everyone's going to be like, ooh. Uh, Heidi, I'm actually pulling up the email you sent to us uh, when we were talking about bringing you back on again. And you said, hey, Destin, Steve, you guys are amazing. You're the absolute best podcasters out there. I would love to come on your podcast every week. Do you think we could schedule this again? Did you work your witchcraft on us? It worked. <laughs> I'm glad that you didn't fight that it's witchcraft. Yeah. <laughs> this is all black magic that Heidi has uh, learned, and now she's distilling it all for you. But we don't have to get any people's hair or blood or anything like that for this. Much easier. Mm. So you could do that, or you could incentivize it. You know, mm -hmm. you could offer this in exchange for, you know, an Amazon gift card to thank them for their time or something like that. But if they are your absolute best people, you will more than likely be able to get some of them to agree to have this conversation with you because they love you. You love them. And who doesn't want to be told that more people in the world need to be like them? So I need to hear all your opinions on things. What happens if you reach out to your ideal client and you find out <laughs> that you are not their mm -hmm. ideal vendor? That's That would be tricky and that would be weird because it would be after the fact. So, yeah, I mean, mm, you loved them, but they did not love you back. I would imagine they just wouldn't even reply. Ooh, getting ghosted. Yeah. Oh, now there's emotional turmoil mixed into this. <laughs> Witchcraft and emotional turmoil. So you've gone ahead, you've reached out, you've you've talked with them. Is there anything else that you would recommend people doing as far as research goes? Yes. Yeah, so... I would love for people to look at their competitors, identifying really who they are. And that includes non-obvious competitors as well. So yeah, other competitors or people like other photographers, but doing nothing is always an option. Mm -hmm. uh, having someone who isn't a professional is always an option. That's a non-obvious competitor. Mm -hmm. For the more obvious competitors, you really want to look at what it is that they offer. What are their packages? What are their services? And who are they targeting? How are they talking about these things? How are they talking about the people they're targeting? And really, how are they marketing? Because you are looking for ways that you can set yourself apart, but you can't really do that unless you dig in and look what everybody else is doing. Mm -hmm. So you're gathering all this information. When, when you're doing research into your competitors, 
Do you recommend, and this is a thing that we see quite a bit in the wedding photography world, approaching your competitor and pretending to be a client through email to try to get them to send you information about their pricing and other stuff and to see how they email people? I mean, I'm kind of on the fence. Oh, Heidi, how devious are we going with this? (laughs) Well, I don't know if there's anything, you know, necessarily horribly wrong. If they have their system set up properly, they're not going to be wasting a ton of time on you. But a lot of this can be gleaned from what is publicly available. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, if, hey, if you feel like you need to do that and you're okay with that, whatever, you do. (laughs) (laughs) If you feel shitty about it, don't do it. That's generally my rule. (laughs) It's what you're saying is check your ethical compass and go from there. Mm hmm. Yeah. I mean, if, I mean, these people probably aren't going to figure out that you're doing it and people probably do it to you. I'm not saying that makes it okay, but if you're going to do something, you should kind of be okay with it happening to you as well. I send them all the emails straight from my uh, wedding photography company. (laughs) (laughs) Just like I'm considering a second marriage or a vow renewal. Yeah. That's how we get down. And I just want to know your prices. I think, well, I guess it depends how much information is available on someone's website. A lot of it, for a lot of photographers, will be at least available to the point of, you know, like a starting price. I'm less concerned about price in this than I am. How are they marketing? Mm -hmm. So who are they marketing to? Is it obvious? Are they, have they not figured that out? Is that pretty clear? You know, is there a group that you really love to work with that is underserved in your market? And is nobody talking to them? The way mm-hmm. that, you know, they really should be talking to them. Are they, you know, all focusing on Instagram when maybe this kind of ideal client doesn't even use Instagram? So maybe this ideal client's still using Napster. Yes. <laughs> for all their social media. <laughs> so I really like to look at the outward facing and what are they putting out there to try to attract clients? And you'll learn a lot from it. You'll see if you look at it, you know, with kind of a, an analytical lens, you'll see, okay, who are they trying to attract? What are they doing? What are they not doing? And what opportunities lie in that for you? Now, I mean, you're just talking offense. Now, this brings up for me defense. What walls Mm. do I need to construct on my website to keep these other photographers from stealing all my good ideas? I don't think you need to construct walls. Probably don't start a podcast. Yeah. Um, Oh, snap. Don't give out all of your sweet little nuggets. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Or, or, Stephen, have you been secretly giving misinformation for the last year? Uh, That... That is the conceit of the podcast, Dustin. (laughs) Okay, it's all starting to make more sense. So last week when I did a blood sacrifice with that bride, that, that wasn't something you really were recommending? No, I was totally recommending that. You should definitely do blood sacrifices with all your brides instead of taking a monetary deposit from them. Damn it, Steven. You're so good at this game. Dustin, I'm just a simple man trying to give the best advice I can. I know. I know. Or are you? Or am I? Heidi, do you ever, uh, do you ever, when somebody signs on with you, do you ever just take like a simple blood sacrifice instead of uh, getting money from them? Or what would you say to this? I mean, if a blood sacrifice is more binding, it depends. (laughs) Are you, are you going by witchcraft law or? I mean, obviously you know more about witchcraft than us. (laughs) I've been watching a lot of Sabrina. I mean, we all know that the UK Academy of Wedding and Event Planning is part of Hogwarts. It's a front. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait, you've been watching a lot of Sabrina. Uh, how far are you into it? 
I'm actually not even that far into it. Not even finished the first season. I couldn't make it past episode number two. Got too dark. Yeah. It's, it's real, real dark. dark. But Steve, you just said that your ethical compass was non-existent. So this show should be right up your alley. Yeah, no, um, that's why I'm even more afraid of <laughs> Bahamut and the devil. Because, you know, no ethical compass here. So I'm definitely going down there. Gotcha. So you just, you don't want a preview. Nope. <laughs> I want to be surprised. Okay. Okay. Well, as someone who is halfway through it, you should know that apparently if we're saying this show is factual, there is some sort of a judicial system with uh, with uh, lawyers and such. So you, you'll be okay, bud. I can defend myself or I have somebody to defend me. Either. Did you just spoil the show for Heidi? How far is she into no. it? No, no. There is a court system. Yeah. So you're good, bud. Oh, man. We're going to have to put a big spoiler notice on this. <laughs> Sabrina Spoilers with Heidi Thompson. <laughs> That'll be the title of this podcast. We're going to bring everybody in. So we talked, uh, where where are we at on Heidi's five steps to success? We're talking about research and next up is messaging. That's what I'm excited about. I know Heidi's amped about the research part, but messaging, I never know what the hell to say. It's tricky, right? And I think even the term messaging is overcomplicated. All that means... And the marketing definition is that messaging is the thing that grabs your prospect's attention, tells them how you can solve their problem, why they should trust you, and why they should choose you over any other choices they may have. So that's really the breakdown of what it is. But the things that it includes might make it a little bit easier to start thinking about. So who are you the go-to person for? Mm, Podcasting. Yep. (laughs) Yep. That's us. That's not even a person. (laughs) Damn it. (laughs) You're so good at this, Heidi. Oh man. Who, who are you the go-to person for Dustin? Um, God, I don't even know. My, my kids go to me for, um, food and love and nourishment. Kids don't have money. You can't sell to them, Dustin. Come on. Yeah. They don't have any money. I don't sell to anyone. I'm just a humble servant. (laughs) Just a man of the people. Well, who do you serve then? Steve, really. I (laughs) I feel like I'm a servant to Steven. A slave, I think is what they call (laughs) that. I don't pay you. I know. Oh, but who who do you serve, Heidi? So I'm the go-to person for, and the way I encapsulate this and phrase it is, wedding professionals who want to grow their businesses without going crazy in the process. Okay. All right. I like it. Because my whole thing is trying to simplify and strip things down. Mm-hmm. So uh, Corinne and I's, uh, I, I dare I say tagline, I don't really like that phrasing, but um, it's wedding photography for the ridiculously in love. Mm-hmm. I like that. So we're, we're not just after like the people who are just like mediocrely like in love. We, we want the ridiculously in love. And what are your people, what are your people typically like, you know, personality wise? Uh, typically, I would say 65% of our couples are a little quirky, a little goofy. Most are a little awkward. Sounds like you're describing yourself right now, Dustin. That's what we're after. I want myself <laughs> because they always start off the conversation with, oh my God, we're so awkward in front of the camera. That's why we're spending so much money. And I'm like, yep, that's why you came to the right place. That's really good to know because then you can use that in your marketing to put that fear, you know, at bay a little bit for people. 
Mm -hmm. So we have a sister company that essentially goes to people and takes pictures and says, God, you're so awkward in front of the camera. You should call Dustin and Corinne. They're really good with people who are awkward in front of cameras. That's perfect. Yeah. Creating my own, my own market. Yeah. Now you're marketing two companies. I thought we were going to get time back by this, Dustin. <laughs> no, the, this this requires no marketing. This guy just walks around the mall for me and just photographs people. And he's like, oh, you're really weird in front of a camera, sir. Uh, if you're going to get engaged soon, you might want to think about, you know, looking up Dustin and current photography. I like that. The guerrilla marketing tactics. <laughs> nice. Just hire some high schoolers. Yeah. <laughs> Cheaper than Facebook ads. <laughs> But we're developing an Instagram stories filter and a Snapchat filter where it's like a little filter that shows up. And then as you go to take the pictures, it says, Ooh, you're really awkward on this selfie. <laughs> I want to consider calling Dustin and Crin photography. That is some guerrilla marketing. That's, That's nice. next level stuff. What, what about you, Steve? What, what's your, uh, what's your, your thing? Uh, pretentious beer snobs. Mm. Yeah, that's that's what I'm looking to get. See, no, I thought it was more like Doctor Who loving pretentious beer snobs. Yeah, yeah, that would be great. That's a definite bonus. But there's a lot more hipster beer snobs out there than Doctor Who loving hipster beer snobs. So, uh, don't want to go too niche. Yeah, lose a lot of people. That's good that you know that. <laughs> too niche. That allows you to really hone all of your marketing around being a a hipster beer snob. Just picturing Steven classified as a hipster is uh, is comical to me. Uh, you know, I got a bomber bomber jacket. Uh, I got some boots. I got a new flannel scarf. I'm I'm ready for hipster Christmas. I would love to see you with a scarf on. That that's like the most anti Steve garment there is. <laughs> it gets cold, Dustin. It gets real cold. Yeah, but I'd, I'd see you freezing your ass off before you put a scarf around your rosy cheeks. So let's get back to messaging. <laughs> <laughs> that tangent went way too long. All right. So what's your USP? What's your unique selling proposition? Who are you the go-to person for? What language do you use to attract your ideal client? Context is everything though, right? Like the way you talk to your potential client is different than the way you talk to your wife or your best friend or your grandma. Like it's just going to be different mm -hmm. unless it's not. And then you're a very interesting person. And I think we should hang out. Yeah. I pretty much <laughs> talk to everybody the same. That's why my wife loves me so much because I treat her just like I do every bride. <laughs> Uh, something, I don't know where this probably goes into the next step. Cause I know you said Heidi, that everyone jumps to the four, the how, but something that Corinne and I have been trying to work on in our messaging is sort of what, you know, separates us from the pack. Um, being that we've been doing this so long, I feel like there's so many photographers who, you know, can take a pretty picture, but it's, you know, that other thing that separates you. And we've been trying to kind of figure out what that is. And, um, and then figure out how to best package that as a, as a way to get that out there. And I've been seeing other photographers do this. And I really like the idea. I might be jumping the gun, but getting your past clients to record little like 15 second videos and then creating like an Insta story channel. I don't know if that's what they're called, but essentially like 
a little thumbnail on your Instagram profile, which is just like testimonials from past brides explaining what that differential thing is, which is for, for us, is just like just how much we go the extra mile for our couples. And I love that trying to figure out how to get them to execute it without feeling like I'm paying them to do it is where we are at right now. Without them feeling like you're paying them to do it. Are you paying them to do it? Not yet. I mean, every couple I ask to do it, I'm like, I'm like, you don't have to have your hair and makeup done. Just do it on your phone and send it to me. Like 15 seconds of you just saying why you are so happy that we shot your wedding. And if you can, you know, sum it down and... They're always like, yeah, absolutely. I'll do it as soon as Josh gets home from work so we can do it together. And then I follow up and like, oh my gosh, we, yeah, we were going to do it. But then we, gotta, we had to take the cat to the vet and, you know, life is busy and it's so low on everyone's priority list. It's that- hard to with video because I think getting someone to, you know, write something for you is a lot less effort. Oh, for sure. And people like, you know, feel kind of threatened sometimes by recording videos of them. Absolutely. 100%. But I feel like there's something powerful yeah. to seeing, like if I post a picture of that person, like their wedding photo, and then it's followed by them actually telling a potential client like, Hey, like Josh and I hired Dustin and Corinne. They went so far above and beyond anything we could have ever dreamed of way better than anything. Steven Van Elk would have provided us. And mm-hmm. we are so happy that we hired Dustin Crin, and then that we got their associate photographer, Stephen Van Elk. Um, <laughs> best best decision we ever made. Yeah, no, no. Keep keep your clients with my name in their mouth. That's great. I love it. Mm-hmm. That's the goal. <laughs> Even if they're saying negative things, all good, all good. I think that's a really really good idea, and that's also going to teach you about what it is that actually stood out to them because I feel like. A lot of times, actually with the majority of my clients and myself, a lot of the times the thing that someone really points to for, you know, why they decided to book you or what they really loved about working with you is something that you just take for granted is like, oh, that's just how I exist in the world or that's just how I approach this or how I think. And that really can set you apart. Yeah, for sure. What if the thing that set you apart was that you didn't ask your clients to do messaging like this for you? You can always go back and ask. (laughs) What if you just hire actors and you completely falsify this? That way you can create what your it factor is and then script it for them. (laughs) And you have to put that stupid little subtext at the bottom like they do on like toothpaste commercials. Oh... I'll use real couples' names and stories. <laughs> and then I'll, even have, I'll even have the actors go and like follow the couples around. Get a for sense like a for their day. body language. Or take it even a step further, have them come to the wedding. Like have this really planned out. Dustin, you're going to get yourself in a situation where you have actors who are just doing talented Mr. Ripley to all of your couples. But I don't have a huge budget for this, Heidi. So I'm probably just going to use the same couple for all of the weddings. (laughs) (laughs) But maybe I'll switch up like their hair and makeup. Yeah, like put a wig on them. Yeah. No one will notice. I I think this could work. (laughs) I'll let you know how that goes. Please do. I'm sorry. I totally derailed us. Are we, do we want to talk anymore about the research element? We're past research. Sorry, the messaging, the messaging element. So the only other thing with messaging 
is to think about each stage that a client goes through on their journey from they're not even engaged yet. They get engaged. They don't know what's available. They start looking around. Okay. They start to see some photographers that they like, you know, they need to hear different things at different stages. So making sure that you have content that speaks to those things. So for instance, an example is like, what kinds of questions should you ask a photographer before hiring them? That's an That's at the point where they've shopped around a little bit and they're getting ready to send some inquiries to different people. Now, of course, when you write that content, you can create it so that the questions that are being asked favor you and point out the things that are so great about you and that other photographers don't offer. But the point is someone who just got engaged probably isn't ready for that message. Mm -hmm. So messaging has to traverse this path that your potential client takes as they're learning more because they start out with nothing. True. Yeah. I agree with you on one, on one plane of my thoughts, but on the other plane, and this is just me being idealistic. My ideal client is somebody, or I shouldn't say my ideal client, my whatever like the next step above my ideal client would be like your super ideal, like Mm -hmm. your super niche is that bride who wanted you before she even got engaged. Yeah. And we've, we've had several of those, like the bride who calls us like, you know, the day after she got engaged and she's like, what what dates do you have open? Because I want to know before I start planning my wedding. So the only thing that's different there is when each of these stages occurs for them. So their research stage is occurring before they get engaged. That's the only difference. Mm -hmm. But what they need to hear during that research stage is still going to be the same. I see what you're saying. Okay. I like that. So that in a nutshell is messaging and we can get into part four, which is the part everybody loves and it's the how. Mm -hmm. Because that's the part that confuses us, Heidi. There's just so many places to put stuff nowadays and us photographers feel like no one hears us yep. it's the whole reason steve and i started a podcast so we could just hear each other <laughs> <laughs> so how do we get our message out there heidi okay so first things first channels platforms whatever you want to call them you have to decide based on your research about your ideal client and your competitors what channels platforms whatever you want to call them, are you going to use? Keeping in mind, you don't have to be on every platform. You shouldn't be on every platform. Pick a few to really focus on for 90 days. And then you can look at them and say, okay, is this working for me? Is this not working? Do I need to change something? Do I need to adjust my focus for the next quarter? Mm -hmm. So once you decide what these platforms are going to be, that is when you get into tactics. So what are you doing on this channel? What are you going to post? When are you going to post? What kinds of assets do you need? So do you need graphics? Do you need photos? Do you need videos? Uh, Do you need, is it a blog post? Do you need to write something? So really mapping out, okay, where am I going to market myself for the next 90 days? Not a huge commitment. So you can still think, okay, for the next 90 days, I'm doing this and then I can change it Mm -hmm. if, you know, if it's not working. And then what are you going to do on each of those platforms? 
deciding this now makes actually doing your marketing so much easier because you have a structure to work within. Mm -hmm. So for instance, with the Instagram stories, so the channel, Instagram tactic, one of the tactics that you're going to utilize are these Instagram stories with your testimonials. You may have some other types of stories or other types of posts that you want to integrate as well, but this is where you would lay all of those things out so that you can take them put them into a calendar and run with them. So would you say kind of globally speaking for this, those of us who are terrible at marketing, Instagram stories is like the new kid on the block. No, <laughs> I just feel like that's where everybody is putting their time and effort that I at least follow. You haven't been looking at IGTV then that's the new kid on the block. I feel like IGTV in my humble opinion, is like the new kid that's getting ready to transfer into the block. <laughs> and people are like, still like looking over at the other side of the block. Like, I wonder when he's going to come over. And they're like curious about him. They're not really sure what he's all about. And the, but there's some people that have gone over to that block, checked him out, but he's not here yet. He's still over there. That's kind of what I feel about IGTV. I think that's actually a really good way to put it. Don't encourage him, Heidi. <laughs> he will keep doing this the entire time we're on this call if you encourage him. All I need is a little encouragement, Heidi. <laughs> but I just, I feel like Insta stories from a personal user experience, like it's sort of like reality TV in a nutshell. Mm -hmm. And, but in a short form, that's enough that you can be like sitting at a red light or at line at Starbucks and just, you know, indulge in, indulge in some content, yeah. uh, whether it be good, bad, or, you know, useless, it's still content and being able to get your content to the top of that pile of poop is, uh, I feel like a good, easy, you know, place to be. I just don't know what kind of content is worth sharing on Insta stories. I didn't know if you had any clients you're working with or people you're coaching that advice you're giving on how to handle Instagram stories. Instagram stories are a whole thing. It's, it's a really interesting tool. I think it's a really great way to show some behind the scenes stuff. Mm -hmm. That's how we started using it. And then I was like, wow, other photographers are actually like showing photos on it and showing like all these other facets of what they do. And I was like, maybe that's what I should be doing. And it could be, you know, it could be, you know, for your next 90 days, you decide you are going to really test a bunch of different things on Instagram mm -hmm. stories, see what works, see what you like. But I'm pretty platform agnostic. I mean, there are, of course, things that, you know, work for your business. There are things that work for my business, but those things don't always work across the board. Okay. So I really like to encourage people to, when you're choosing, you know, your channels and your tactics, what are you already doing that's working? Nothing. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> T talking to you. That's about where my bar is. Okay. Well then how can you talk to me more? <laughs> Podcasting more with Heidi Thompson. That's, our, that's like our sub podcast. <laughs> but if you can figure out what's already working for you, then that gives you, even if it's one thing or a couple of things that you can really 
double down on, that you can really plan for and strategize for and throw more time, more resources at it. You know, if something's already working, it makes a lot more sense to do more of that thing than to add another new thing Mm -hmm. because then you're splitting your time. But when it comes to something new, what I try to get my clients to do is only run one experiment per 90 days. So that experiment could be what happens when I post an Instagram story every day for 90 days? Or what happens when I really work on my SEO? Does that result in just more traffic or do I actually get more bookings from it? You know, whatever that new thing is, I think it's best if you only have one of those per mm-hmm. 90 days. Unless you're brand new, then everything's new. <laughs> See, I think I think a lot of our listeners, and I shouldn't pigeonhole all our listeners, but uh, like I hail from that generation of photographers who started right when Facebook was at its infancy, really helping businesses. Mm-hmm. So like throwing full galleries of wedding photos on Facebook was like dynamite. It was like throwing uh, f- like a match on oil. It just blew my business up. It's like throwing dynamite into the fishing pond. Exactly. Because everyone would see it. Everyone saw it. You could tag people and the whole world saw your your stuff. And then as that, as enough dynamite was lobbed into that pond... <laughs> Now that pond no longer exists. And so now a lot of us are in this sea of marketing misery of like, okay, where, where is the next path of least resistance? And I don't know that there may, maybe not, there isn't one. And so it's like, I'm trying to find that next avenue of getting our, our stuff out there. So for you, what's working for you right now? That, and see, it's when you said that, that I was like, I don't feel that we really have like a channel that's really like we, we've invested in Instagram heavily this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know that that's necessarily bringing in any qualified leads. It's just getting content out there. Facebook is kind of dried up and shriveled. We've been putting like zero attention into that. So I would say like 90% of our leads come from our SEO, which is just like being on the first page of Google uh, for our area. Sounds like your SEO is what's working for you, Dustin. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a social thing. It could be referrals are really working for you. So then spend more time cultivating those relationships and building more referral relationships. And maybe you choose you know, your thing to test next is, is Instagram stories is, you know, whatever. Honestly, it doesn't matter. What matters is finding what works for you. And you only are able to do that by testing things and looking at how people are finding you. So many people ask me, you know, should I be working on my Pinterest marketing? Should I be on wedding wire? Should I be running Facebook ads? And The answer, unfortunately, is I don't know. It really depends on who you're marketing to, what's going on in your market with your competitors, you know, how you are standing out. You know, are your people looking at Wedding Wire? Maybe they're not. If they aren't, then it makes no sense to be there. But there could be someone else who is getting like 90% of their bookings from Wedding Wire. So 100% they should be, you know, really working on optimizing that as much as they possibly can. I really like to look though at what is something that is working 
in your business. And if you don't know, this is your wake up to start tracking this and to look at different ways that you can track it. So, you know, you have Google Analytics, you have just asking your people how they found you and what platforms they look at. Do they read any wedding blogs? You know, do they go any to any bridal shows? All of these things can help narrow that down for you. And then you're going to wind up with a list of things that you think might work that are worth testing over, you know, a 90 day period. And when you find something that works, don't just keep adding on new things. Yes, of course you want to be testing new things, but don't pull the effort away from the thing that's already working. If anything, put more into that. Right. But like you don't, like you said, you don't kind of want to put all of your marketing eggs into one basket. You want to keep growing your sort of your baskets, if you will. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And maybe, you know, so like you said, SEO is working for you, Steve, but maybe for someone else, SEO is where they're really struggling. So Mm -hmm. that's what needs to be their new thing for the next 90 days is really working on that while maintaining the things that are already working for them, possibly putting more effort into that to get more out of it. Because I think a lot of the times we're always looking for something that's new, which is fun and I get it. And it's fun to play with new tools. But a lot of times when we do that, we neglect the stuff that's already working that makes sense to throw more resources at. You know, if you had, for instance, a Facebook ad that for every dollar you put in, you got $2 out, you'd be stupid not to put as much money as they would allow you to Mm -hmm. into that. Whereas you could look at it as, well, no, I'm doing these three or four things and I'm going to divide that budget evenly across them. True. True. So do you have, I know every client is different for you, but is there sort of a three or four places you tell clients to start when they're trying to figure out where the best place to put their how or do their how or be their how? If they don't know where to market, I'm asking them if they really know who they're targeting because that's usually the disconnect. Damn, that's good advice. Okay. I like that. So Heidi, you're kind of moving into measuring already and talking about how. So how how do you recommend people measure the way their marketing is working? So there's a lot of ways to do this. There's a lot of tools out there, Google Analytics being a great one. But what you need to know in terms of the overarching strategy for this, because it isn't specifically about the tools, is what are the KPIs that you're going to measure? KPI meaning key performance indicators. This is going to vary based on what you're trying to accomplish. So for the example, like I said, maybe your SEO sucks and you want to really work on it for the next 90 days. A KPI that you're looking for might be traffic from Google. It might be lowering your bounce rate. Mm-hmm. But if you are focusing on you know, getting more referrals, a KPI is how many referrals are coming through. How many of them are actually booking? So whatever those key metrics are for the tactics that you have chosen, what are you going to measure and how often are you going to measure them? And the how often isn't as important as that question getting you to actually commit to something. Mm -hmm. So I don't care if you do this once a week or once a month. What matters is that you're doing it and that there's 
an appointment on your calendar with yourself to check in on these things and track these things. I've had this happen to me in my own business where I'm like, oh, what should I do to market? And then I go and I look at my numbers and it's like a smack in the face. And it's like, duh, just do that again. That worked really well. Why am I trying to reinvent the wheel? Mm -hmm. And what you're saying is... When you went to look at your numbers and what did really well, you're like being a guest on the Wedding Photo Hangover (laughs) podcast. Specifically. Must be on that podcast. (laughs) Killed it for me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Just making sure we're on the same page here. When you look at these numbers, though, I want to stress that this is all these things are an experiment. And I think that's the healthiest way to look at it because you can very easily beat yourself up and say like, oh, I don't know how to market. That's why these numbers aren't Mm -hmm. better. But really just trying to look at it as, okay, you're a scientist and you're running experiments. You know, if something goes horribly wrong in the lab, you're not going to be like, that's it. I can't science. I'm never doing this again. (laughs) I can't science. (laughs) You're going to be like, okay, I should never mix those two chemicals together ever again. Assuming you're alive after that. Right, right. And your (laughs) eyebrows are probably blown off your face. Yeah. So looking at what's working and what isn't through that lens of just this doesn't say anything about me, but what's working, what isn't, and getting curious about why that is. Well, Mm -hmm. I think where most of us photographers struggle, Heidi, is also like just not knowing how to read those measurements, like not having a a full sort of gauge on like, what's a good number, what's a bad number. So, I mean, that would probably be a a good reason for people to jump into your your course, just just for learning that alone, I feel like. Yeah. And it it can be difficult. You know, we have a course too on Google Analytics because that can be a monster. But when it comes to, you know, what is a good number, you have to develop your own baseline. So, you know, the first week or the first month that you track this, you're going to have a number and it's just Mm -hmm. a number. You know, it's not good. It's not bad. It's just a number. Mm Mm-hmm. And then next month or next week, did it go up or did it go down? What caused that? Did you do something different? Sure. That, that is the kind of thinking that can really get you into a place where you can identify something that something like very specific that is not working and how you can fix it. So for instance, let's say you're getting all this traffic to your website and nobody's booking a consultation. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then you can zoom into that specific leak and say, okay, is it that maybe the website is too slow on mobile? Maybe I don't have calls to action on the website. You know, looking for specific things you can optimize as opposed to, well, I guess none of this works. I'll just try some other thing. Mm -hmm. The more granular you can get, the easier it is because it gives you the specific thing to tweak or fix. Heidi, I always leave our talks feeling like I need to take a vacation from my family so that I can (laughs) jump back into my business. A vacation from your family, Dustin. Wow. I hope Corinne never listens to this podcast. Jeez. No time. She's got to take care of that family. (laughs) While you're vacationing from them. Wow. All right. Um, so Heidi, thank you so much for coming on and dropping all that knowledge on us. Do you want to do like just one or two questions from just random people on the internet and then we'll kind of wrap things up? Let's do it. Dustin, I hate to break into our interview with Heidi right now, but we've got to tell our listeners about Taylor Brands. 
Taylor Brands offers them a branding experience that doesn't have to be expensive. Taylor Brands was created to help entrepreneurs and small business owners design effective branding materials at a minimal cost while requiring no previous knowledge. Taylor Brands offers easy to use automated logo design in brand building services. And Dustin, here's the cool thing. A lot of photographers heading into the winter season, they want to mix things up. They want to draw in maybe a new clientele. Maybe they're looking to bring in their ideal clientele after learning all this stuff about how they need to figure out who that is. And they need a new logo to go with that. And boom, who steps in to fulfill that? Taylor Brands. Yeah. Taylor Brands, Dustin, that's right. Their branding platform asks users questions to determine their design preferences. Afterward, their algorithm generates a few logo samples from which users can choose the most fitting to their business and further personalize. Dustin, you're going in the Christmas season. Are you launching any new businesses? Uh, Yeah, probably, knowing me. But something else that they've been doing that's super exciting for those of us uh, like Stephen and I who are incredibly busy is they launched Taylor Social, uh, which is their social media management platform, which I've actually been kind of curious to dig into. So you guys might want to check that out if that's something you have been interested in taking off your plate using sort of their their logo and graphic design know-how to kind of help run that social media Goliath that is so prevalent to what we do these days. And Dustin, what do you know? With a Taylor brand subscription, users receive additional assets to complete their brand identity, as well as ongoing services to automate their work and make it easier. These services include social posts, Facebook ads, social covers, business cards, presentations, and more. They offer a full branding experience, all you need for the perfect branding at minimal cost. So if you want to get Steve Jobs Inc. off the ground, which you know Mm. I do, the promo code for the podcast is get your logo. And it includes 30% off all of Taylor Brands packages. So you should jump right on that. That's www.taylorbrands.com. How do you spell Taylor? T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S.com. Dot com. And use promo code get your logo. Let's do some Q&A. Our first question comes from Helga from the Facebook groups, and she says, A wedding photographer near me started putting up flyers in my public park advertising their services. Services not just for wedding photography, but for other photography too. This isn't legal in the park, but no one is doing anything. The photographer's antics seem to be working. They're booking a lot of clients, and I'm afraid I'm losing business in my local area. How can I combat this without being a snitch, but also without stooping to their level? Snitches get stitches. (laughs) Right? Yeah, that's that's 100% right, Dustin. Yeah, okay. That's a really interesting question, and the way it's worded comes the way I'm hearing it from a total place of scarcity. Mm -hmm. Like there are 100 clients and she's getting them. And they're all going to the same park. Yeah. (laughs) That's her niche. She really wants that family oriented client that only goes to that park. I mean, I don't know much about Helga because it's just something I randomly pulled from the internet, but I would assume she, based on it, like you guys were saying scarcity and everything, I assume she's probably just starting out and looking to mostly have people hire her who live near her or around her. 
which is why a local park could seem like a big thing, like if it's on your street or something. You know? Maybe that local park is Central Park. Oh, snap. And maybe Helga doesn't have a car. And maybe Helga specializes in elopements in Central Park. And maybe Helga wants to only be able to do shoots within walking distance of her Central Park, you know, penthouse suite. Poor baby. Yeah. <laughs> You got to think about those veteran photographers out there that, you know, live that posh life. (laughs) Now you got some newbie coming in, putting up their flyers from Kinko's and just totally disrupting Helga's way of life. Poor Helga. I would check that scarcity. That sounds like it's coming from a place of they're getting clients and I'm not, and they're not supposed to be doing it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds more like a veteran photographer that's like, get off my lawn. Yeah. And, oh, snap. you know, this person, hey, obviously you don't feel great about reporting it. So don't because you'll feel like an asshole. But mm-hmm. that really comes from inside, not outside. That is from a total place of scarcity and fear. Okay. Okay. So I think what I'm hearing from you is... Helga shouldn't report this, but maybe she tells one of her neighbors, hey, look, this photographer's doing something illegal. It's making our park look real bad. Get the neighbor to report it. Her hands are clean. She's washed her hands of the situation. Now the neighbor reports it. And for every client that that photographer books, based off those ads that were in that park, they're not getting fined by the city or the town or the county or whatever. You know, what? Yeah. Up, up, up to like, what, 50 bucks? Find up to I fifty mean, bucks. Sure, if that feels okay to you, but that feels petty to me. Oh, it feels Maybe super Helga petty. Should like sponsor like a fountain or something for this park. Oh snap! And a like statue of her could be erected in the middle of the fountain. <laughs> a statue of Helga. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. She's like holding her website name or something, and a camera. Don't forget the camera. Photosbyhelga.com. <laughs> I'd be real curious where that that feeling is coming from though. I mean, that that's something that needs to be dealt with because that is going to keep coming up. And if you're motivated by fear, you're never going to be in a place where you're doing something because you want to do it and feeling like abundant about the amount of clients that are out there. It's just, it's a real, real negative mindset to slip into. Mm -hmm. So I'd say do some work on that. Mm Mm-hmm. Work on yourself. Mm. Damn, Helga. Heidi's got nothing for you except that you probably need therapy. Yeah, sorry. Well, I mean, we all do. <laughs> no marketing can help you. <laughs> well, she's, she, had that, she had that steady job on Hey Arnold and now, you know, the sugar. <laughs> now she's just, you know, trying to take down other, you know, small time photographers. All right. Uh, one more. I just... Dated us hardcore there. Yeah, yeah, you did. Uh, Ralph from the Facebook group says, I'm looking to start offering photo booth services in addition to doing wedding photography, but no one is biting. How can I start pushing this without seeming too pushy? Yeah, I mean, I'd love to hear Heidi's take on this one because we we used to do a lot of photo booths and then it sort of tapered off um, because everyone started doing photo booths. And now I feel like I kind of want to start pushing it again, but I'm not, not sure if I do because my wife hates it. So 
Yeah, it could just be that like a trend has tapered off. It could be that you are not really selling the value and the benefit of it. It's just like, hey, here's a photo booth. That's it, how we originally did it. Yeah. That was like, hey, uh, you know that thing that they can do for 900? We could do that for 800. Yeah. It could be that your people aren't interested in that. And I would try to get that information out of them in any way possible. You know, by asking questions anywhere you can, whether that's in one-on-one conversations or on social media about, you know, have you considered a photo booth? Why or why not? Or are you interested in one? Because it just may be that your ideal client isn't really into that. And it doesn't necessarily matter what the price is. That's just not something they're looking for. So most of my answers to things tend to go back to your ideal client. Is that something they want? And you don't know unless you've had someone buy it from you, Mm -hmm. which is one type of affirmation. And the other being having actual conversations and finding out, is this even a service that you're interested in? Mm -hmm. So I'm a big proponent of talking to people and asking questions wherever you can. You could even do it as an anonymous survey. There you go. But you have to send it to more than one person, Ralph. Yes. (laughs) Just to us, Ralph. Let us be your source. Go ahead and Um, send those surveys to your competition. That'll be great. Yeah. So, so my question, if we want to dig a little deeper on this for Ralph's sake, not mine is, um, what we were thinking or deciding whether or not we wanted to do like a lot of photographers have done is start like a second brand specifically for the photo booth side of things. Is that something you've seen people do? Do you recommend that? Do you, what are your thoughts? It's definitely something I've seen and it's something that can work because it can allow you to have two completely different ideal clients Mm -hmm. within each of those brands. So that allows, you to market these services to the people who want them and these services to the people who want them. And maybe there's overlap, maybe there's not, but specificity in a brand is very helpful. And I know a lot of people who have broken off, you know, a part of their business as a separate brand have been really happy with it because it gives them, you know, that structure. Whereas having everything under one roof, it's like, okay, how do I market all these different things to all these different people? Mm -hmm. Also, Dustin, have you considered that maybe your photo booth is just really shitty and nobody wants to use it? Yeah. (laughs) We just did one last weekend and that's why it's kind of re-energized me like, maybe we should do this more. Have you considered dropping it from $800 to $700? So now instead of selling somebody you know, a product that's a hundred dollars cheaper, it's $200 cheaper. Dustin. So, so the problem was when photo booths first started, they were like in that 12 to $1,500 range where for me to come in and do it for like $300 cheaper and make a bride's life easier uh, because it's all under one umbrella. She was like, Oh yeah, let's just do that. And then as the photo booth industry got more saturated and competition occurred and prices came down, it really no longer became worth it for us to do it for like, you know, three, four hundred dollars um, to lug all the stuff in, get it all set up, and then, you know, to worry about something going wrong. Um, so it just really didn't become worth it. Now we're seeing as people are exiting the oversaturated photo booth market, things starting to open back up. Now that people are asking about it again, we're wondering if we should make another go at it, but re kind of maybe retool how we do it, so to speak. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think that could be interesting if you broke it off as a separate brand. And I would talk to that couple that you just had who had a photo booth and really find out, you know, what made them decide on that? What did they enjoy about it? Because what we found was that most couples that, because we'd always ask, because, you know, we want to sell every every item that we offer to a couple, ideally. Mm-hmm. And they always say, oh, no, photo booth, you know, we're already like at the max budget for wedding photography. But then they'd go to like a bridal show that winter and the photo booth company that's like at the big one here in town that just does photo booths would always offer some like crazy, like bridal show special, you know, 40% off if you book at the bridal show and like the Mm. bride's mom would always just book it at the bridal show. And then the bride would be like, Oh, guess I'm getting a photo booth. I think what you've just hinted at there is one, you should be looking at your competition, which Heidi talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. And your competition is going to bridal shows and making sales there. And your competition's ideal client, it sounds like, is the bride's mom, not the bride. You're busy trying to sell to the bride and the groom. Your competition's already got it locked down with the bride's mom. These are all valid points, Steven. Sounds like your ideal client for photo booths is a little bit older. Yeah. And I think they can definitely benefit from bridal shows because with a, with a photo booth, you really have to sell the experience, Mm -hmm. which you can do with a separate brand, possibly better. Yeah. It's definitely something to consider. Just trying to figure out how to make more money. Heidi Thompson. I hear that. Dustin, have you considered a separate brand for your photo booth? It's actually something I could sell to you. It's Steve Jobs Incorporated. I Steve owns the domain. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just think about it for a little bit, bud. I was kind of thinking Steve Jobs Unincorporated. Oh, a little, man. A little different. Really? Or make it sort of a sub-brand of our big burrito brand, calling it like Little Nacho Photo Booths or Tiny Taquerias. Oh, I like Tiny Taquerias. That's good. Taquitos <laughs> is even better. Pizza Roll Photo Booths. Just a whole nother food category altogether. Mm, yeah. No, you don't want to go that way. No. Okay. Pop-tart so, photo booths. Heidi, thank you so much for lending us your time and your expertise today. Uh, before we go, do you want to talk a little bit about the uh, course that you've created and how much more in-depth you get in there? Yeah. So inside the Wedding Business Collective, which is my membership where I have all of my courses, trainings, group coaching, all that good stuff. I have a course specifically about creating your marketing plan. And this is very, very step-by-step as all of my courses are. So if this sounds like something that is going to be helpful for you, especially starting off a new year, and you want to have that plan in place, you can join the Wedding Business Collective at theweddingbusinesscollective.com. And if you use coupon code Wedding Photo Hangover, it's going to extend your trial to 21 days. So you'll get 21 days for free. Wow. That's awesome. But Heidi, you did know that Wedding Photo Hangover is the name of this podcast. So now we're going to have to sue you. <laughs> it is, I'm going to tell is. Steve Jobs' family about Steve Jobs. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. Never mind. Never mind. I, I think uh, I think we can come to an agreement here. Okay, okay. Just don't tell Steve Jobs' family that Steve Jobs is actually a reincarnate as Stephen Van Elk hiding <laughs> in Indianapolis, Indiana. <laughs> Technically a suburb of Indianapolis called Noblesville. So Heidi, where can people find you online? So my business is Evolve Your Wedding Business, which you can find at evolveyourweddingbusiness.com. Those are my social media handles everywhere. And you can find my podcast, the Evolve Your Wedding Business podcast on iTunes or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. 
And if you'd like to join me inside of my Facebook group, you can find that at evolveyourweddingbusiness.com slash group or just search on Facebook for the Evolve Your Wedding Business community. Love it. Thank you so much for coming on our podcast today, Heidi, and dropping a ton of knowledge on our listeners. We look forward to getting all the great feedback uh, from our listeners, primarily stuff like, oh my gosh, this podcast was finally helpful. All the listening has finally paid off. <laughs> <laughs> or the, the hosting the hosting has finally paid off we've you know actually learned something from a conversation yeah thank you guys so much and yeah the hosting is incredible <laughs> thanks so much Heidi have a great day Heidi you too bye bye thanks so much for listening to another episode of the wedding photo hangover podcast with Dustin and Steve and this time also with Heidi Thompson of Hi. Evolve Your Wedding Business yeah. If you want to help us out, jump on iTunes or Stitcher and leave us a five-star review. If you want to connect, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Wedding Photo Hangover or on Twitter at Wedpick Hangover. Dustin is on Instagram at Dustin underscore McKibben and Steven is at Steven Van Elk. If you want to get involved with the awesome community of listeners, join the Wedding Hangover Facebook group. But if you really want to warm our hearts, head on over to anchor.fm slash Wedding Photo Hangover and Do you it. can sign up to support us for as little as 99 cents a month. It's extremely helpful to us and to the making of this podcast. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time your head is pounding, your limbs feel like dead weight, and your entire being aches for the sweet embrace of death. That's right. Next Sunday, after you shoot another wedding. Dun, dun, dun. And that's a show, Dustin. Love it. Love Heidi. Loved everything she said. Uh, need to go start working now i gotta stop this podcast because i have to put into action all of the sweet sweet nuggets of wisdom she five gave steps dustin goal research messaging how and then measuring you gotta get down on that you gotta know I think I just, i'm just gonna do the how you're just gonna no. I, I think she said that was the most important part I, shoot uh, guys wait i gotta make dustin listen no, to the whole podcast not? so we can try to re-record God. this end part jeez it's okay. I will listen to this podcast. I will learn from us, for us, to us. <laughs> yeah. 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 No. Yeah. All right. Dustin, yeah, man. Let's close this one out. See you later, buddy. Oh, bye. Poor baby. Wedding Photo Hangover was edited this week by Steve Van Elk of Bespoke Tone. Go to Bespoke Tone for all of your photo, video, and audio editing needs. Woo-wee!